0: Well, this morning, um, something that, that I think is, is important for all of us, I think it's applicable to you know, those that are outside, they don't serve God, they're devoid of God, but also applicable to those that reside inside the church, uh, reside inside as members and faithful servants, and uh, something that's, I think, important, I've titled it Prodigal Plans, right, now, it's a little bit different take for me when you look at it and you go prodigal plans. Well, who in their, who in their right mind? And I think that most of us are familiar with the prodigal son, right? And we'll get to that at some point. But I think that sometimes what gets lost is it's easy for us to take like the prodigal son and we kind of apply it generally and you know outside of of the faith and and you know we lose sight of. You know, the fact that as a Christian, God-fearing American Christian, Western culture, that we can make decisions, even though we're sitting right here today, we can make decisions that are contrary to our God. We can make decisions and do things that God does not agree with why do christians do bad things well because we're human and we're flesh that's a very you know broad answer but it's true right and so what do we do as god's people what do we do as people that have committed themselves to the lord is that god has given us the tools and the ability now here on this earth to limit and prevent that as much as we apply it to our lives So, how can a Christian find him or herself in, a, in opposition to God? Do we recognize that there is a difference in carnal opposition and servant opposition? You understand? Carnal opposition means man in and of himself, and we all know this, but man in and of himself, outside of God, prior to putting your faith in him, outside of God, the mere presence of flesh in its sinful nature, is in opposition to God, right? We know that. Hence the need for Jesus Christ, because this flesh-filled body, this this sin-filled body, cannot come into the presence of God without the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ. It is only because of the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice that we are qualified to be in the presence of God. That's important for us to remember because sometimes we get a little high on our horse and we forget and we take for granted some of the blessings that we have received in, in the position that we're in. That's why I always pray about his grace and his mercy. You know, you take his grace and his mercy and you apply it to your life, you start to think, okay, that's a good slice of humble pie that that uh, is a good dose for us to have in our life. And so... Submittal to his lordship is something that requires continual practice. It is essential for man to submit to his lordship through faith, baptism, and servitude. But the position of servant, son, or child must be maintained. The less time we spend on our master and the more time we spend on ourselves, we become vulnerable to our adversary and his trappings. You understand how all that works? it is progressive it is linear it moves so the less time in other words the less time we spend in the word of god god doesn't give you an extra helping because he knows you need it but you don't deserve it now he blesses exponentially he absolutely does sometimes all he looks for is just a little bit of effort and then he starts to work things out in your life but he needs your attention he needs my attention he needs your attention. He needs he needs attention of mankind. And so, submittal to His Lordship is something that, as I said, requires continual practice. What do you mean? Listen, there's plenty of people that run around in this world today, and they acknowledge the existence of God. I watched a a video this week. A friend of ours sent it to us in a in a uh, it, we had our uh, Wednesday morning Bible study, and he says, "Hey, I need you to I need you to watch this video and tell, kind of tell me what you think about it, right?" And so. It was a, what I, you would call a conservative Christian versus a progressive Christian. Do you think that's even, it, uh, for some of you may not even know that that is a thing, right? It is. Uh, I, I literally listened to a pastor that had a big old bushy beard and a big old pompadour, okay? You could tell right away, ah, you know, progressive. I'll leave it at that. That was being nice, okay? <laughs> okay? Okay? He got this, I mean, you looked at him, you're like, okay, here you go. And not to stereotype, but he did fit it, right? Uh, And he, he made a statement in his video. He says, I do not believe that there is a set of documents sent down by the originator, by God, that we must live by. Now, this was only about 10 minutes into the video, and I thought, I don't even know if I need to watch the rest of this. He's given us his word. But this guy wants to pontificate of how existential he is and how he thinks outside the box. And it's all these. You guys do know that, that, you know, the, the Enneagram, you guys have all heard that. How many of you guys have done that? Oh, yeah, I have, too. Do you know there are churches that are implementing that into their theology? Oh yeah. I, I don't have a problem with, I've done it. I can't remember what I was with my numbers and all that stuff. It's interesting, right? It's cool. But they're, they're implementing that into their theology and you're like, whoa, wait a second. Hold on a second. It's a part of a progressive movement. In other words, you take those kinds of things and you put those things in place of the word of God. The word of God is good enough. Amen. It's the best You don't need all that other stuff. Is it fun to do some of those things from time to time? Sure. But when you hear somebody negate the word of God in his, in his statement, you, it's time to, you call a timeout and go, Hey, man, I think we're done here. There's no, there's no sense in us talking about this. If you cannot, and this is fundamental as Christians, we must recognize that the Word of God is inerrant. It is error-free. Divinely inspired and divinely written through all kinds of different authors, but the author is God written through their hands. It is inerrant. You don't question the creation of mankind. You don't question the things that are written in there for the sake of questioning them and making yourself sound smart. That's not how this works. The word of God is good enough. Once it becomes, in our lives, this is dangerous territory, once the word of God is no longer good enough, you have left, pun intended, you've left... The reservation you're off in no man's land you're leaving yourself open to the instrument and tools of our adversary in the 16th proverb in verse one it says the plans of of the heart belongs to man but the answer of the tongue is from the lord All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. This is how we as Christians, as servants of God, those that have submitted ourselves to his lordship. You see, sometimes we treat our submittal to his lordship as like a revolving door. You see, today it's easy to submit to his lordship because we're all doing it together. And there is power in numbers. But submitting to his lordship is a daily practice and a daily commitment in all of our lives. All y'all have plans. Every single one of you has got plans, right? We all do. Yeah, this is the the, the two-sided coin. A lot of say, well, we don't know what tomorrow's like, so we don't plan. That's a good way of putting it. Have you ever heard someone say, I study all the time? I'm a pastor, I don't study all the time. If they're telling you that, they're telling you that to get you off their back. And that's a dishonest statement. Unless they actually study all the time. (laughs) And there are some people out there that do that. And generally speaking, you know when you run into somebody like that, you're like, oh yeah, you study all the time. (laughs) Or we say, I pray for you all the time. How many times... You good Christians sitting out there today. How many times have you told somebody you pray, you're you gonna pray for them and you plumb forgot? Oh, I love the Lord sometimes when he does this because someone will come to you. Hey, they'll come to you and thank you for praying for them. And then it hits you. I didn't say not one word for you. Well, the right thing to do is shut it up and take your medicine because that's the Lord convicting your heart, Right? Because some of us might go, I haven't prayed for you. Hey, that's your guilt to bear. You don't lay that on someone else's shoulders. That is your guilt to bear. If you told someone you were going to pray for them and you didn't, that's your own fault. But The question is, and the thing for us to look at it goes, how many of us like that feeling? I don't. So you have to make it a deliberate practice in our hearts and our minds that when you tell someone you're going to pray for them, you better pray for them. Hit your knees. Pray for them. This is not an idle thing. This is a direct line of communication between us and the Almighty. You look at this, he says, But the answer of the, uh, I'm sorry, all the ways are, uh, of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. That's one of the things that, that we as, as you know, good Christians. We understand, look, we are all susceptible to that. These are my plans. This is what I would like to do. Have you invited God into your plan making? You understand what I mean? Is it God honoring or is it self-righteous? Self-fulfilling? Those are the things that we look at. We should be looking at the things that we should be looking towards that you go oh, okay this is how christians right standing christians can fall prey because in of all of us our own plans are a great idea it says but the lord weighs the motives and generally speaking you can see the motives if they bring honor and glory to god if they help prop brethren up if they help people Or they only help you. It's pretty clear. It says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Wait, hold on a second. It's a simple practice. It's a simple thing, but it's all the more true. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. If you want to achieve success, if we any of us want to achieve real, true, godly success in our lives, it starts with the Lord. And it stays there. And then he begins to give to you as he sees fit, according to what you can handle and what I can handle. Why is it that way? Because when you commit your works to him, the promises and the things that he gives to you, they're irrevocable. They're tried and they're true. The foundation of those things is, is, is found in him. But when it's done by our own devices, it's destined for failure. It may be successful for a little while. It may work for a minute or two, but eventually it falls apart why because we tried it i can speak from personal experience it says the lord has made everything for its own purpose even the wicked for the day of evil everyone who is proud and is in, in heart is an abomination to the lord assuredly he will not be unpunished by loving kindness and truth iniquity is to, atoned for and the and by the fear of the lord one keeps away from evil You know, I've shared often with you guys, there's been a time or two in my professional career, the scripture right here, you take it down to the most elemental level of your life, okay? This is, then this is my application and this is one of the things that I'm not saying I'm 100% all the time on this, but there are a lot of occasions where I try to to practice this. You talk about it here, it says says that by loving kindness and truth iniquity is atoned for and the fear of the Lord keeps you away from evil. There have been times where I could have changed documents or I could have done things in my professional career, right? That no one probably would have ever known, probably would have gotten away with it. I had even people looking at me, I had about four or five people looking at me, waiting for me to make a decision. My integrity was on the line, seemed inconsequential, right? You're like, meh, it's not that big of a deal. We can lie right here. But my fear of God and my understanding of what God would do to me as far as I didn't think a a, 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 a lightning bolt was going to come out of the sky and strike me dead, although I don't rule that out. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. But I thought, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to do this God is going to expose me, and it's going to be far worse than just taking the lump of telling somebody you made a mistake, that your company made a mistake, and we'll just deal with that mistake and, and, and move on to the next thing, right? Ooh. It's at those decision moments, right, that you're going, I could lie, I could do something underhanded, or I could do the right thing. the fear of god and i've always you know i had an aunt she's a great aunt you know she would say i would make faces at her in the back seat sometimes right when we're driving kind of mocking her and i'd cross my eyes or whatever right she said you keep doing that your face is going to stay that way well i never i always told her i didn't believe her but there was a part of me that believed her (laughs) The fear of what if she's right? Because I'd make some pretty funny faces, you know what I mean. And she, you need to stop doing that. Your face is going to stay that way, right? And you're like, Ooh, you know, no, it won't. Now I put on a front that I never believed her, but to this day, you know, you're still like, i Now I use it on my kids. Keep using that face. Your face is going to stay that way, you know. The fear of what if she was right. When a man's ways are pleasing verse 7 in the Lord uh, to the Lord he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him Better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice The mind of man plans his way but the Lord directs his steps Proverbs 16 or the 16th proverb verses 1 through 9 is absolutely crucial and important for us to understand the dynamic of planning of the ability to achieve success in life and in the Lord. We have to commit our plans to him in everything that we do. When we bought our house, it was with the idea and the intent that we would share it with whomever God put in a path that we would share it with the church that we would share it that God has given us these things he's blessed us with these things so that we could have brethren over to our house so that we could have folks in our house so that it's always been a plan i never wanted a big house just to have a big house never we have to look at it that way if we're looking at it from the standpoint of look like, i want to be i want a house on a hill Man, you're probably never going to get it if that's your only goal in life. God may not allow you, or he may allow you to get it, and it may not go so well. But when you put God and you inject God into your plans and you vet your plans to him, and and we do that, you know, the, the scripture and the other proverbs, there's other proverbs that tell us, look, many counselors, are success. We must put our plans to the test, put our plans, you, you bounce them up against the Word of God. What does the Word of God say for us to do this? Is it, is it scriptural? Is it good? Is it, is it God-fearing, God-honoring? In Matthew chapter 7, at the end of the chapter, in verse 24, This is an absolute rule of life. Without question. It is a rule of life that is both applicable to a person that submits themselves to God, puts their faith in him, and begins to, to, to search for him and look for him and you know everything that goes on out there. So you got your preliminary, your beginning Christian, and also your your long standing Christian. This rule still does not change. when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Hmm. Wow. He teaches us there, this is an absolute rule of life for you teenagers and young kids, but also for you adults out there. You go, what do you mean? I can be, yes, you can make decisions and you can do things in your life, even as a up. OK, even as a grown up, you can make really dumb decisions. You can build something on sand. We all can. When we only apply this to people that are outside or people that are coming to know God and say, you got to build and, which it is accurate. It is accurate. you need to build your house upon the rock. Absolutely. Amen. Yes. That, and that is a fundamental teaching and a fundamental understanding. But it doesn't stop there. And sometimes in our quest for achievement and sometimes in our, in our quest to, to achieve a, a stature or places or money or things, we can lose sight of that and we can build, we can start building upon a foundation of sand. Oof, it's not good. Verse 24 says, it, those that act on his words... Are wise. I will tell you, I have been on the other side of this while standing before you every Sunday. Oof. That's one of the things I teach the kids here. You know, there are certain decisions that we make in our life that are really super important. Selection of a spouse, that's a big one. What do you mean? You have a choice. So well, God brought somebody my way. Yeah, well, if they're a loser, they're a loser. You ditch them. Before you get married. What? Why? Because that decision, that life decision that you make, sets the rest of your life on a course. Doesn't it? Buying a home, is that a big decision? Absolutely. Managing your finances? Absolutely. Is your hand always out to help or is your hand always out to receive? Have you lived a life of generosity or have you lived a life of need? It's based on the decisions that we make most of the time. But there's generally failure of recognition of those things. We live in a society right now where everybody nobody gets whooped anymore, everybody gets I don't even know if they get timeouts now. Right? Seventy-five percent of kids have ADD. No, they need the B E L T That's what they need. They need a swift kick in the pants. I've been around lots of people. You look at it and go, the problem is not their ability. You could say that the problem, you look at a kid and you go, they they can't pay attention. The problem is, is that they it's not that they can't pay attention. It's that their home life is garbage because you're a horrible parent, because you're not spending the time nurturing them and training them on how to live properly because you scream and yell at them because you tell them that they're not smart. What? You mean kids will respond? Now, that is not to exclude. Are there really kids out there that have these disorders? Absolutely. And they need to be treated properly. That's not what I'm saying. Don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, it ain't everyone that you run into. That's a problem. It's a failure to admit from a parenting standpoint, it's a failure to admit that your responsibility level is much higher. You have to spend time doing things. You got to get involved. Are there hyperactive kids out there? Yes. Are there kids with ADHD? Yes. There are legit cases that are, that, that, that is the case. Absolutely. I'm not negating those things. Are there kids out there with, hey, here's another one? He someone say, oh, God, here he goes, right? Okay, I'm going to say it. Look at autism. Hey, I got to touch autism. No, you're just weird. Everybody's looking for a diagnosis. Everybody's looking for some kind of diagnosis, so they, they, therefore I can explain my existence or my shortfalls, and uh, life don't work that way. When the boss tells you it's time to go and he gives you a list of instructions and you go, well, you got to cut me some slack because I can't read. That's your own fault. Get a book and start to read. Listen, my failure to uh, detail, I can't help. Oh, you can't help? Maybe you need to go to work somewhere else. That is not to preclude or prevent. If there are necessary adjustments to help somebody, yes, obviously. But my point is we go too far the other way with all these different things. You look at it and go, listen, and you go, well, no, that's not true, okay? Apply that to Christianity. I can't serve God because of this. I I, I can't make those right decisions because of this. Because I I had a horrible childhood. Or my parents didn't love me the way they should have. Hey, listen, man. If you're 40 years old and if you haven't figured out that, uh, how, how to get around that, you need to seek some counsel. Because there's too many success stories of people out there that have overcome those challenges and those obstacles and are extremely successful. You ain't no different than them. Well, you are in regards to they decided to overcome those challenges. And then you decided to be defined by them. There is nothing that we cannot overcome when we put Christ as the center of our life. We don't look for those things. The rules of life, in other words, you, you, you look for the excuses and we look, we look for all these different things. It's, 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 it is an increasing problem in the United States and in our Western culture today, we look for the excuses instead of owning up to our failures. The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. Great was his fall. The torrents of life and the challenges. Life is challenging for everybody. It is. There's, if, if, if you subscribe to the thought that if I just made this much money... Or if I just lived on this side of town, if I just had this, things would be so much better. It doesn't work that way. Now, there's a certain amount that, obviously, we could get into the discussion about getting above the poverty line and those kind of things, which, on the other side of the poverty line, is a very difficult place to reside. Very difficult. And I think that's, obviously, a responsibility of the church to help those to rise above that. And help them train them because that's important. That's another subject for another day. But this this example that's given to us in Matthew chapter seven is is both for the new convert But also for the resident Christian, we must vet our plans and the things that we do, the choices in life. You see, So what do we plan? Well, you all got a plan. Everybody's got plans for their retirement. Everybody's got plans for vacation. Everybody's got plans for the side of town they're going to live on. Everybody's got plans. We make decisions and choices all the time. You just have to begin to invite God into those decisions and choices. You have to keep him a part of that stuff. You understand what I'm saying? That's how we thwart the losses and the challenges. And sometimes, if we don't, it's, it, it can be a real challenge. <clears throat> you can say, well, you know, doesn't mean that the foundation is not right in our lives. No, it's not. But it's, I uh, tell you what, you, you're up for a rocky road. Not the ice cream either, Right? Stuff's going to start falling down. Some pillars that you built up on sand, they begin to start to fall down. The prodigal son in, in Luke chapter 15. In verse 11 and I won't read it verbatim, and I'll just just grab some scripture, and and you go back and read verses 11 through 32. He says in verse 11, he says, and he said, uh, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. (laughs) Uh, Gary Smith, he he told me... uh, long time ago one of his messages that, that he remembers the most he says uh, uh what do you call Lo- loose living he said uh, the high cost of loose living <laughs> was what he called his message i thought man that's a really good title but um which it's it, it's very applicable and so the the point for us today is for us to understand is that you go well to us it's like what do you mean well to generally speaking. A young man could not get his inheritance until his father passed away. It was, a, it, was, it was given in death. And so for him to come to his father and say, Hey, I want my inheritance, he's basically saying, I wish you were dead. <laughs> right? He kind of was. And he said, I want all my I want all my money now. Sound familiar? That's why we got a credit problem in the United States. But, I mean it is. I don't want to save for that stuff. I want it now. But we go get it, even though we can't afford it. That's why the debt gets out of whack, right? And so he says, look, give it to me now. And he says, as it says there in in that verse there, that uh, uh, he squandered his estate with loose living. And you look at that and you go, oh, man, that's not good. No, it's not. Now, when he had, verse 14, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country and he began to be impoverished. Now, he did not plan nor anticipate that there was going to be a famine in the land, right? We read last week about our goal setting and our planning and the stuff we were talking about is, look, you sit down and you plan for things. Can you plan for catastrophe? Can you plan for certain things? Yes, you can, especially if, bless you, especially if you were given your inheritance up front but not if you plan on spending it on wanton pleasure or all these other kind of things that you look at. Now, what goes hand in hand with our desire to want to receive our inheritance on the front end is a direct correlation to the fact that we will not spend it wisely. It's human nature. We will squander it. In verses 14 and 15, this was his plan. He says, so he went out and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country and sent him into the fields to feed the swine. That was his plan to fix the problem, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Well, <laughs> he already dug himself a pretty deep trench. And no way out of it, so... So I'm, already, I'm in a distant country well you know what I'll go hire myself out and feed pigs now you go back to his dad you will read later in the chapter you can read that they had money they had an estate they had servants so the master then became the servant and not even a legit servant but a temporary hired hand to feed pigs. That was his plan until he woke up. Until he woke up and and looked at him and says, you know what, instead I'm going to go to my dad. I'm going to go back to my father. I could be one of his hired men and live better than this. He He was so hungry, he was willing to eat pig slop. Have any of you ever seen pig slop? It's disgusting. It's gross looking. It would take a lot. for, And I like food. It would take a lot for me to want to eat pig slop. That's how hungry he was. But I guarantee you, you strip somebody of food for three... And this isn't like... Hey, he ran out of food yesterday, by the way, folks. You understand that? That's one of the things you don't understand. You don't come to looking at pig slop like it looks like a tasty morsel. Like you're about, you're fixing to eat pig slop. You don't arrive there one to two days of hunger. That's a couple weeks. You haven't eaten. Suddenly, your standards begin to drop, right? Wait a minute. Pig slop sounds good to me wait a minute you know he he comes to his senses says he came to his senses in verse 17 he says how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread but i'm dying here with hunger now we use terms like my belly buttons tickling my spine i'm starving and all this other kind of stuff ain't not a single one of us in here starving And I'm about three months away from my belly button tickling my spine. Maybe Josh. (laughs) But he's doing pretty well, too, for himself, right? And so you look at that, and you're like, "Ah, it's, it's a long ways before my belly button starts to tickle my spine. But we'll say things like that. That's not true. It's an exaggeration. We are hungry, nonetheless. But you look at that and you go oh my gosh the idea behind all this he says he he comes to his father he says i'll go up to my father and say to him i have sinned against heaven and in your sight i'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me as one of your hired men you know what that is that's repentance And it did take him coming to his senses. It did take him to become hungry. It did take him to hang out with some pigs and realize, I don't need to live this way. What am I doing? I got a dad that will take care of me. I got a dad that, golly, I could be his you know, hired servant and live better than this. Is a realization in all of our lives to look at it and go, this is not proper. Verse 22 says, but the father said, well, verse 20 I love because I, it, I think it is a good representation of when we repent and when we turn. And even for those that turn their life to the Lord, it says in verse 20, it says, so he got up and came to his father while he was still a long way off. His father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. He took him back. Matter of fact, not only did he take him back, he ran out to meet him. You see, we serve a God that isn't sitting back looking at you going, ha ha, you get what you deserve. Suck it up, buttercup. We don't serve a God that's looking at us like that going, ha! We serve a God that's sitting back just waiting for us to turn around and go, I messed up. Help me. I've messed up. I made a mess. I tried to fix it. I thought this was a good idea. I thought that this was going to work. And then, when I thought it wouldn't work, and then it didn't work, I tried to make it worse. I, I ended up trying to, to go feed the swine because I thought that would be a successful plan. But we serve a God and we have a Father that says, Wake up, just turn around. Come back to me. It took his son to get on that road and start making his way back. But you get on that road and you start making your way back, our God meets you halfway. He meets you on the way. Doesn't mean that he didn't lose a lot. He lost his inheritance, folks, and he did not get it back. He spent it all, it's gone. That was the cost. It was a very costly mistake that he made in his life, but the but the cost and the and the 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 aspect of redemption by far outweighs the cost of sin. You look at it, go, but I can be one of my I could be back in my father's house. Sin does cost us. Sometimes it's it, it can be a lot. But there's nothing like being out there by ourselves in our own devices and doing our own things. Stranded, starving, and hanging out with pigs. When you know that's not what God's called you to. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be living this way. Then you look at the other brother. It's important. because Sometimes he gets forgotten about. Not just because he's a middle child. You know, I'm just kidding i'd throw that out there but not sure if he is a middle child or not but you know you look at it and the older brother he says in verse 25 that he was in the field when he came out he approached the house he heard music and dancing and he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring you know what these things could be he says your brother's back paraphrasing your brother's back so they killed the fatted calf, right? Not not just the goat, but they killed the fatted calf. Brought it in, they're having a party, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, put a new robe on him, restored him back to the position of son. The brother becomes indignant. Wait a second. He says in verse 29, but he answered and he said, Father, look, for so many years I've been serving you and I've never neglected a command of yours and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. And I like the dad's response. He says, but when the son of yours comes, you, 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 and, and look, how many of you can't sympathize for what the son says? He's like, he's spending it on prostitutes and, 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 and all this, he squandered it all away. This guy is not worth this party. He says, son, you've been with me always, and all that is mine is yours. But we had, to ce- we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Now, how in the world, you look at that, and you, you look at it from verse 31, as he says there, he says, look, all that is mine is yours. And earlier in the chapter, he tells you you've never given me a young goat that may celebrate with my friends. And he says, all that is mine is yours. So here you have a brother that never took the opportunity that was set right before him. Something to consider is maybe we have two prodigal sons. Maybe we have one son that is left and did his thing, but the one that sat there and never left his father's side and did everything that he was saying that he was supposed to do never took advantage of his position never took advantage of the blessings and the things that god his father had sitting out in front of him the entire time Ooh, we can't be guilty of that right not us It is absolutely imperative for us to understand and remember that, that God has given us the path and the avenue in which to be successful in life and in all of our endeavors. But it is not devoid of challenges and, and, and hardship and, and, and obstacles. Life is always going to be that way. and it, it, it will never change. And as much as it pains us all, right, sometimes that we have to go through things, but we have to understand that sometimes what we have to do is get back to the rock. We have to get back to building that foundation on Jesus Christ. He's, As the scripture says, he's the author and the perfecter of faith. We have to find ourselves in in John chapter 14... Read that real quick. We have to find ourselves in the position that says in verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything that we do in our lives. You say, well, I believe in God. Well, that's fundamental. We got to have that. Amen to that. But then, once we believe in God and we submit to his lordship, our belief and our decisions and the lives that we live must go through Jesus Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's given us his spirit, he's given us his church he's given us fellowship, right? He's given us prayer, all those key things that he has allowed us to do. But it takes us applying ourselves to those. It takes us looking to Listen, we all got Bibles, but he doesn't he doesn't dump knowledge into our heads just because we got a Bible. That's why I can't believe all these men all these years quibbling over what translation you got. I don't care what translation you got. Do you read it? I'd give a hoot about all that stuff. Do you read it? And then the next step is, is just like the, 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 the proverb, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7 tells us, look, if you act on my words, you're a wise man. In other words, what does the word of God say? If it tells you to live a certain way, to do a certain thing in this circumstance, do it. And sometimes it's hard for us to decipher those things. What do I do here? Listen, folks, he gives the church. It's not just so that we can hang out. We're a really good group of people. Take a look around. We're probably not the coolest cats in town. Well, I'm just saying. Maybe some of you are. Not this guy, okay? Okay. It's not a social club. That, you know, there's a bunch of highfalutin folks in here. He's given us the opportunity in which you go. I don't know what to do here. Ask your pastor. Ask an elder. Ask a deacon. Ask somebody about something. Why? Because with counsel comes wisdom. You ain't equipped to do it all by yourself. That's not the way that works. News flash: I have people that speak into my life. That are my elders. And it has always been that way. There are key individuals. That have spoken into my life. That are older than me. And wiser than me. I have submitted myself to them. Because they have more experience than I do. Doesn't mean they are smarter than me. But they got more miles under their tread. And I talk to them and I listen to what they say. Truth be told, aside from the good Lord himself, that is one of the things that has made me the most successful that I have ever been. I look back and there's been key individuals in my life that have helped me to get where I'm at. Without them, I always remember back. I had a, I just ran into him yesterday, and the Lord brings those people into your life every once in a while. I, when I was 18 years old, I didn't. I didn't like computers at all. Okay, I hated them actually. I hated computers. I thought they were for nerds. I did. I'm just telling you. That's and now look at you know 25 years later, right? Or 22 years later. I thought computers were for nerds. I played sports all growing up. I worked, in, I worked with tools. I didn't, I didn't do that kind of stuff. And so they offered me a job in uh, the IT department while I was going to college. So I thought, okay, well, you don't got anything out here? <laughs> <laughs> like, Jeremy, this is all we got. Uh, all right. So I showed up. You know what I did for the first week I was there? I sweeped the parking lot. I swept the shop. I picked up people's cigarette butts. Because I didn't know anything about computers. But my dad had taught me, you better be busy. I can't use this term that he used for me, but y'all could use your own imagination. It involves your elbows and your rear end, right? That's what I was taught. I said, okay, I got that. My mentor, John Aguilar, I ran into him yesterday. John Aguilar, I'll never forget. He pulled me aside and he put his arm around me and goes, hey man, what, what are you doing? I said, I'm just trying to stay busy. He goes, no, 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 I understand that. But your job's in there. And I said, yeah, but he goes, you don't know anything about computers, do you? I said, sir, I don't know anything at all. And I said, truthfully, they scare me. Now, he was a little bit of a meathead like me. He played all sports growing up. He goes, hey, you remind me of myself. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, you played a lot of sports, didn't you? I said, sure did. He says, You can do a lot of things out there. Yes, sir. He says, but you don't know anything about this. I said, No, sir, I don't. <laughs> he goes, Don't worry about it. We'll take it slow. We'll take we'll take it, we'll take it real easy on you. He says, I'll get you, you know, uh, experience with these other guys. And I got ridiculed for it because they all knew when I came in there that I didn't know what I was doing. So you're like, Oh, thanks. You're gonna send me with this guy, right? You know, I did, but the thing is, is he recognized me. He didn't throw me out because he knew I had no business being there. He didn't throw me out. He said, "Hey, I'll help you." He goes, "You can learn this stuff." He says, "If I learned it, you can learn it," and I'll never forget it to this day. He's also the one that shared some pretty sage wisdom uh, as far as you know, meeting and uh, you know, you always have a solution to your every problem that you ever have. He's the one that shared that with me. I still use it to this day. God puts people in our lives to help us. Utilize it. Take the opportunity. If you don't have somebody like that, get somebody. And make sure they're godly. Get at least one or two people like that. Gotta have them. They can be your sounding board. They can help you weather your plans and your, those things that, you, that we all got ideas, right? They can help you with those things and help you make it through those things. And not just to simply just say, hey, let me pray with you about it. Is that a good idea? What's the Word of God say? He's given us the opportunity, folks, and we got to submit ourselves and we got to remind ourselves that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Vet your plans. Vet your lives through Christ. And your plans, in Proverbs chapter 16, told us, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. He'll take care of you. Doesn't mean it'll be easy, but he'll take care of you in the long run. May the Lord bless you and keep you.